everyone i have a brand new podcast for you all hope everyone's doing well and is enjoying getting back from the holidays um i have a podcast here and i got it's a one-on-one interview which i haven't done in quite some time i think episode eight or nine it's the last time i did that so it's been quite a while uh but i had dr dale Ulrich on here and he's a university professor at u of m and also the creator of the tgmd and he goes in pretty in-depth about the TGMD, which I'll get a li- into a little bit more in a moment. Um, before that, I forgot last time that I wanted to highlight an article I read recently from Dr. LeVay and others, which are referenced in the blog, and it's on using tablet technology in for PE teachers to monitor uh, goals and objectives for our kids, since so many of us are on the go so often and hard to take that you know, paper data collection at times. So uh, it's a really nice article, talks about some different uh, ways to use some cloud devices to share and monitor uh, and collaborate. And on the blog, I have some videos as well, which kind of highlight how to create your own spreadsheets to keep the data, as well as how to share it and utilize it more uh, in an online way, which is really cool. So please check that out. It's on the blog. And let me get back into uh, Dr. Dale Ulrich in the in interview that we have. So I think it was a, a last episode we talked about assessment. And this is kind of, I was going to add it to the end of one of them, but the conversation was so good. It's kind of its own standalone podcast. And we talked about the TGMD3, the new one that's coming out, some of the the new pieces of it. Also talked about kind of the direction of some of the new areas that are going on and with the TGMD. He talks a little bit about um, going more digital in the future, as well as how the TGMD was created and why uh, he thinks it's it's such a good and effective tool. Because it is such a popular tool for PE teachers and other professions as well. A lot of PTs are starting to use it. So with further ado, I want to introduce you all to Dr. Dale Ulrich and get this conversation started. I hope you all enjoy. Now, the TGMD came up a few different times, and one of the things that there seems to be a little bit of discrepancy about is its use and placement. And I kind of wanted to get your opinion or or your expert uh, view on how it should be, if it's used for placement and how it's used to determine placement for a child with disability. Now, when you say placement, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is you've already determined their eligibility for services. Now you want to decide you're going to include them in the regular program or special placement. You know what? Let's start at that eligibility piece, is TGMD something that we can use for, can we use solely TGMD for for eligibility? I think the recommendation is, is that you should always use a variety of information, standardized performance, and using the national norms is one source. Should it be the only source? Absolutely not. And so, uh, you can do general observation. Um, you can use a variety of other sources of information, but 
I do know that many schools like to have recommendations for eligibility. One major source is how the child performs on um, norms compared to his or her peers. And so it's very easy to use the TGMD uh, to test the child on 12 or 13 skills, depending on what edition you're using, and then calculate normative scores. And as many states, as long as the child is down at the seventh percentile or one and a half standard deviations below average for their age, most states would say that they should be eligible. But that's a local school district decision as well. Yes, yes. And we kind of talked a little bit about that as well during our conference about, you know, some states have a little bit clearer def- definition of that eligibility criteria than others, or more clear recommendations, at least. Right. Uh, so is is there a general area or do you have a recommendation on when they should be uh, that, that criteria marker to say that they should be eligible or not? The eligibility criterion for example, the 5th percentile, the 7th percentile, the 10th percentile, will totally determine the number of children you're willing to serve. And economically, everybody knows that the economics of education are not good. And so for me to say it should be the 7th percentile, I like the fact that that equates to one and a half standard deviations below average. Um I know years ago, the state of New York had one standard deviation as their cutoff point. Well, they were serving a lot more children in special education programs, including adapted. Well, they obviously, reality set in, and they end up changing it because they couldn't handle that many cases in special education because of the resources. And so... Whatever criterion you use, I think one and a half standard deviations is defensible. I would love it to be ten, the 10th percentile. You know, if a child's performing at the 20th percentile, that means 80% of his or her peers are doing better. That child has deficits. It's just not recognized as severe enough to require extra services and funding of these services. So I've grown to live with the one and a half standard deviations below average, which is equal to the seventh percentile. So you're willing basically to serve the seven, seven percent of the more severe cases. Hmm. Very good. That's totally a local school district decision. Absolutely. And, And my, my experience is that's not always set very, very well. Um, but I think, I think standardized testing, assuming that you've got a good option or two or three for standardized testing, is one way to go with one source of information. Should it be the only source? No, I don't think so. I think a lot of other sources, uh, how, did, how are they doing in physical education class? Uh, are, they, are they active? Are, you know, are, you know, just what? What the motor behavior and fitness looks like in this child could also be included. Um, that's general observations compared to everyone else that is the same age or grade level of this child. Um, I think the more information you use to make that eligibility decision, the better it is. Mm-hmm. But again, everyone knows who's listening to this podcast 
we are never, ever given enough time to do a good assessment. We never have been and we never will be. Is Now, this I, I do have a question on this. We'll go back to placement because I really want to hit that. But, um, you know, that, that time piece, the TGMD is kind of, I think that's why it's, it's kind of known as a, it, it's efficient and it's pretty quick. Do you believe? Do you believe that's why it's so popular? Well, I get to talk to many, many people uh, about the TGMD. Uh, I get to train lots of people. I listen to their feedback and I record their feedback for critical information for revising the test when it is appropriate. I think it's quick. I think it's easy, but it does take training. For example. I'm convinced that a well-trained physical education teacher or an adaptive physical education teacher can learn how to use this assessment fairly quickly, um, but they need to practice because many of those performance criteria on a skill happen almost simultaneously. You've got to be able to recognize when the performance criteria was not displayed correctly you've got to learn which one occurs earlier in the performance. For example, in the batting, I can score that before the child even swings because how they grip the bat and approach it, I've already scored how they grip the bat correctly. And so sometimes teachers have to learn those things, but the more experience they have, the quicker they become, without a doubt. Is it them? I know you have a training video um, as well as the manual, are those the things that you're saying they need to look at and practice those things, or do they, they need, need some type of formal? looking for those specific performance criteria. Okay. Um, not all of them are equal in ease of observation. And every time, I've, every time I've revised the test, I've tried to improve the wording to make it a little clearer. But I guarantee there's one or two performance criteria that still have weasel words in them, and I can't get rid of them. I can't come up with a better word. Practice. And one of the things that I'm excited about for the TGMD3, I'm working with a, a person at University of North Carolina that is very good at developing digital training programs. And we have met on two occasions where he is convinced with their software, which is going to be free of charge for this, which is appealing to me, um, where assuming I will give him multiple video clips of children at the various ages and skill levels performing each of the skills, he will then put it into this software program that teachers or students who are in teacher prep programs can access to train themselves. It will give you feedback. So yeah. in other words, they will know what the correct scoring is. And if a, let's just say we have a junior or senior in college who's in teacher prep, who's learning, who's taking an assessment course, they can log into this program. They can, they can be trained, but they can then go in and score a variety of video clips, and it will tell them their level of accuracy. That that's and is this in the process of being created? It's in the process, but it's the early part because I'm still accumulating examples 
of wow. short video clips of each each skill and performance criteria. That and is have boys and girls at different age levels and so forth. Wow! And if you get it wrong, then it will give you another one. If you get it, once eventually you get them right consistently, then it will tell you you no longer need training for this performance criteria or this skill. So it really faculty can use it for training their students. But someone, for example, there's a lot of people now in public health using the TGMD. And boy, they're tough to train. They don't, they have no idea how to demonstrate the skills. And so I have to spend most of my training time training them how to demonstrate. Then once they can demonstrate, then we can look at having them score children. And so I've learned a lot by that process, but I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that we need to have electronic resources that people can access on the computer, on a tablet, on an iPhone, uh, that they can access to train themselves when they have time. And that's, that's somewhat what the podcast is trying to do in a yeah, different absolutely. way. So that, that's a multitude of options. That is so interesting. And I, I, I might have some questions that when we're all done with this about that, that's really great. Um, and that's a really great way to, to, to really train someone. I'm going to circle back now to the placement question because yeah. I don't want to take too much of your time, but placement um and that was what really came up with the TGMD during this and there was so there was the idea that the TGMD can be used for placement but then there was a, a strong feeling too that it's it should not it, it should not be the the defining assessment to use for placement and so I kind of wanted to get your take on that your viewpoint and not not to for your clarification. I go back 30 years or more, and why did I develop this assessment system? This was at the start of the Individuals with Disabilities uh, Education Act, when it was first signed into law, and I was teaching adaptive physical education and recognizing, you know what, we have no idea what we're doing because we haven't been doing it long enough, and there was nothing available for assessment. How do you determine their current level performance? Okay, I can do that. I can say that the child's functioning currently at the 48th percentile on locomotor skills and the 30th percentile on, on ball skills or object control skills. That's a current level performance. I'm thoroughly convinced that a child's current level performance plus their behavior profile should be used to make an eligibility decision. Now, you can use a variety of assessments. I recommend that if you're given the opportunity or time, do that. But the more people I talk to throughout the United States and, and Canada, they really seem to be glad that at least there's one test that's standardized, that comes with norms, that is very much aligned to typical curricula in gross motor skills. And so this is just one assessment. Um, should it be used? If I was teaching, I certainly would be using it, but then I have a conflict of interest, of course. <laughs> I'm going to use it. But it, the reason I'm using it is I know what else is out there. Yes. For placement specifically, do you yeah. think it's a strong test or do you think it's 
once again, do you, do you make the recommendation that it needs to be used in conjunction with some other assessments? I recommend if you have the opportunity to combine it with other things, please do. You should. But if you don't, then I would go with the performance great. I would go with the performance score and the resulting normative score to help you make a decision relative to children at the same age and gender. And I rest my, I rest my case because I know what's out there. I actually know through research that it's very good at distinguishing between a typically developing child, a child with ADHD, a child with Down syndrome, a child with ASD. And so I'm not sure what else people would be looking for. And it's also very, very sensitive to instruction. If you have eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks of instruction, I guarantee you test the child again, they're going to show improvement. Well, some tests are not sensitive to because some of the things that are on the test are not taught in a physical education program. And so why should they change? Mm -hmm. The skills that I have in here, yes, there's many other gross motor skills that could be put in there, but every time you add more skills, it takes more time. Your two things, I have, I have two more questions for you, and, and thank you for answering that, that about placement. Um, now, you said you, you mentioned a few different disabilities earlier that you said ADHD, um, I believe it's, it's validated with BI, Down syndrome, yes. um, autism, I believe as well. And uh, so is, is, is there other disabilities out there that it's been validated with? And then also, um, should, should this be something? So, with that question, should I be using this with somebody if it's a very unique disability or one of the disabilities that it has not been validated with? And it could be something unique such as Willie Prater syndrome maybe or, um, you know, I, which I'm not sure. Maybe you have validated it with that. But um, yeah. No, I, I don't. I'm always, when I train people, tell them this is not a perfect test. Uh, there is no such thing as a perfect test. I would not use it, and I never did use it, with very severely impaired children. You know, if you have a, a child with severe um, cerebral palsy that also has moderate to severe intellectual disabilities, it does not work with that child. And a lot of the skills are not even going to be useful for that child. Um, but then no other test probably is too useful for them either. I would use a task analysis form for those kinds of children. It is great with typically developing children, mild impairments, and some moderate impairments. Okay. And what, what are disabilities. Well, could you name some of those moderate disabilities? Oh, yeah. It, it's just when I say moderate, every disability that we talk about can be categorized as mild, moderate, severe. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not talking about a specific disability, but they have mild impairments, meaning they're somewhere in the probably the 10th percentile or lower on the test. Moderate would be that they're down near 1% or 0%. Um, it's just been used with lots of dis different disabilities, I think, because there's not a lot of other things out there to give them options. There's a need to create more assessments for the more severely impaired. 
Yes. I, and I, I, and that was something that we also kind of talked about is if you have a kid with multiple disabilities, there really isn't anything. No, um, no. and, I, and I, it was not designed for that child. Yeah. I would go to maybe some of the assessments that physical therapists, pediatric PTs use. Good. So my last question, and you, you've also kind of mentioned, uh, alluded to this. So, um, you know, me being at a university, I've had the beta of this for a little while now is the TGMD3, which is that officially out yet? No, it is not. We are just about done with the norms. Uh, we had a snag relative to getting an appropriate number of physical impairments. Okay. And so we had to offer a call uh, for people to help collect another 40 or 50 children, and that should be done this month. And, and what, what were some of those physical disabilities? Like, do you have people with CP? and yeah, CP, spina bifida, those jump out at me. Okay. And then, so how and how is the TGMD3, I'm sure you get this question all the time now, the TGMD3, how is it different now from the two? First of all, it's better. <laughs> they change it based on feedback. Uh, we've changed the object control subtest to ball skills. Okay. And all the ball skills and, and for physical education teachers, this doesn't make a difference. But for other people, PTs, OTs, public health people who are using it, they have no idea when I say object control skills, what the heck I'm talking about. They do know when I say ball skills. So I changed it. Uh, we dropped the uh, leap, and because of a lot of feedback from teachers who teach children with ASD, uh, saying it really has hurt the decisions they've made with kids with ASD since we dropped skip. A lot of the children just miss out on eligibility because of that. I never considered that. I never realized that. And so I said, you know, I'm going to put it back in, but I'm going to take one locomotor skill out, and that was a leap. I, I dropped the underhand roll and added the underhand throw. Okay. As more of a functional game act, game skill and so forth. And I also added the, the one hand sidearm strike, as in, you can picture this as in a forehand tennis stroke with a rack, with a plastic, small plastic racket. Very nice. So there now are seven ball skills and six locomotor skills. I've cleaned up some of the words again. Uh, I probably have changed a couple of the performance criteria a little bit mm-hmm. based on feedback and, and based on more research that suggests, you know, Dale, it's really difficult being able to see this one. And so, I, you know, the more I think about it and I get the more feedback I get on this, yes, you're right. And so I've made some small changes on the performance criteria. Very nice. One last question just popped up in my head. How long does it take to create a whole, like from the two to the three, how long did that process take of you actually trying to make a new assessment? Well, one of the things you have to do is you have to make the changes first. Then you've got to go out and do a few studies to make sure that those changes you still have high reliability, high validity indices, high discriminative ability of the items. There's a variety of research questions that have to be answered. If all of those answers are very positive, then the next step is to collect new norms. 
you can't collect norms before you answer those first questions, because if you do, and then you find out, boy, these studies are suggesting these changes now have lowered the reliability and validity of the test significantly. Now you got to start all over again. All right. So it, it's basically a two-year process minimal. Wow. That's uh, probably a lot to, to me and all the listeners out there to listen to that. But um, thank you very, very, very much for being on the show and taking uh, some time out of your busy schedule. Um, and do you have a time or a date when the TGMD3 will be out? Well, I don't have control of that. The publisher does. And the, un- the good thing and the bad thing is the publisher also is renorming the Peabody scales uh, motor development scales. And the two authors in the, on that test are retired. So ProEd has to do all of their work. Well, I, plus some postdocs and doctoral students, tested a lot of children in the Midwest, so they didn't have to do any of that assessment. We did all these preliminary studies for them. And so they want to market the two tests together. And so right now I'm telling people it better be available <laughs> This summer, summer seventeen. All right. And well, I'm gonna. St- I've got to call ProEd Publishing and really start um, screaming at them because uh, they will listen. It's just I've been busy on other projects as well. Um, but there will be a number of research papers coming out in June in the Journal of Motor Learning and Development. There's a special section on the TGMD3 on reliability, validity from uh, five different countries. Very nice. So is is it being used in other countries right now? Yes, it is. Okay. Huh. And they want to collect their own norms is what I'm recommending. Yeah. They can't use U.S. norms. And, and so they don't use it for eligibility. They use it for everything else. Very interesting. So and, and, th- and thank you so much for being on the show because cause the TGMD, you know, and, and – we have, you know, people doing research here at TWU, and it seems to even for research for uh, the practitioners, it seems to be the go-to, the, the the gold standard in assessment in our field. Very, Like you said, it is very nice to have an assessment that is a go-to, but we also want to make sure that the people that are using it are, you know, knowledgeable and also thinking about the assessment that they're using. Yes, but it's kind of like assessment is the most critical thing we do. Mm-hmm. It's at the heart of everything we do. And so you better have some assessment materials that are valid and reliable to be able to give you the information you need to make those instructional decisions, to evaluate progress, uh, to make an eligibility decision if needed. And, you know, there's room for more assessments to be developed. So so, so we need some listeners here to, to make some uh, off a, you, you were an AP teacher and you made one and yes. we need some of them to do the same thing. So, all right. So with that, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll be talking very soon. So 